Business Matters in association with Donegal ETBs for their education and training service, developing the Donegal workforce in one of the most critical and fundamental digital skills of our time through its spreadsheet programs. Hi, I'm Kieran O'Donnell. You're welcome to Business Matters. My guest this week is human resources and career development consultant, Elaine Nichols, who's based in Letterkenny. Elaine, you're welcome to Business Matters. Thanks very much, Kieran. Elaine, you've got a raft of knowledge and a wealth of experience across the full working life of employees, from career choices uh, after leaving secondary school to career changes, promotions, training, and occasions when people find themselves out of work having been made redundant. So it's a mixed bag, and I'm sure there's no two days in your job the same. Definitely true, Kieran, and it's actually frightening to think how many years I've been doing it for. Uh, it only feels like about 10, but it's uh, three times that. Um, but yeah, it definitely uh, has been varied to date, and uh, that's why I love it. Different every day. Before we discuss, Elaine, the role that you're currently filling, can you take me back to the start of your own career path and tell me how you ended up working in the world of business for over 30 years? Oh my God, now you're talking. Right. So I suppose, um, well, I went to school in Loretto Convent here in Netherkenny and um, hadn't a clue, like most people, what what I wanted to do, funnily enough, which is ironic, I suppose, but didn't know what I wanted to do at all when I left school. Um, so I actually started off in nursing, would you believe it? Because at the time we did interviews for everything and anything that was happening. So I liked biology. Um, both my parents were nurses, so I thought I'll give it a go. Um, I had accepted my place already in in UCD as a as a as a backup because uh, I wasn't a hundred percent convinced. But anyway, uh, trained for six months, best six months I ever spent. Learned more about life in those six months than I did, I'd say, in and in, in, in the previous seventeen eighteen years. But um, anyway, I went off then to UCD and studied psychology there, um, and it was fantastic. Loved it, great experience, and. Um, wasn't really sure what I wanted to do afterwards. I knew I wasn't overly interested in clinical psychology or the counselling side of things. I'd be more practical, I suppose, and applied. So I uh, thought maybe the world of work might be the the place to look at in terms of, you know, applying psychology. So um, after I, I graduated in 1990, oh my God, such a long time ago, but anyway, 1990, there's no jobs for anybody at that stage. The country was in a deep recession, so most graduates just left or went on to do further education. So I was very lucky, actually, I ended up doing a FAST course, and through that, um, I actually met the director of the, of the, um, of the course um, that I was doing. It was specifically for graduates, and it was in business skills, but he was asking me what I was interested in. I told him, and um, I said possibly HR, which was known as personnel at the time, or occupational psychology, and he put me in touch with someone who had worked with FOSS, um, who was in England at the time. So basically, cut a long story short, I ended up going over to the UK to work with a company of occupational psychologists who were basically using psychometrics to advise students on career direction. Um, They were based in Harley Street, so it was a big move for me, moving from from Dublin over to London. I, I was there for seven years. Great experience there, fantastic, dealing with people, young people starting out in their careers to people making career changes. Um, and I actually moved back then. I was there for seven years, moved back to Dublin then in 99. Um, and at that stage, things had changed a lot. Um, the Celtic Tiger was going strong and there was a lot of job opportunities. So I actually 
I had done my um, IPD, Chartered, of Institute, uh, Chartered Institute of Personnel Development exam, so um, I had uh, thought I'd give the HR end of things a go. So I'd started off in a small consultancy, but I thought I'd better get some experience now in a bigger organisation. So joined the company as Training and Development Manager, was there for four years, absolutely loved it, great experience, but always knew I wasn't a big multinational setup. Why not? Well, how <laughs> long do you have? Um, I suppose I always I was I wasn't really into the whole kind of materialistic side of of of, of things. You know, I wasn't overly competitive in those in, in that sense. And that I was more interested in actually adding value. That's where I was getting my satisfaction from helping people, um, feeling that I was being of benefit. I suppose in some way to others. And in that environment, you, it was a consultancy that was. Um, it was all about big business and money, and uh, I was surrounded in people who were very focused, and that was their motivation, and they were in the right environment. But um, I suppose working from a HR perspective with these people, uh, I knew that I was very different to them in terms of my motivations, but still thoroughly enjoyed working with them throughout those four years and working in the training and development side um, and got involved in a culture change project then as well, which was fascinating, really, really good. So... I always knew that I wanted to be kind of independent and set up my own consultancy. So I actually left the permanent pensionable job um, in, uh, when was it now? It was 2003, so it was four years in the job, and uh, joined a friend of mine who'd set up his own consultancy. And from there, we took off. We were doing the career guidance counselling, so we go back to my original, where it all started. But also we got involved in recruitment and selection and outplacement counselling at that stage. So we were recruiting for companies like Pfizer, who would run assessment centres uh, to recruit staff at all levels um, and um, also then got involved with outplacement counselling for people who are moving on from organisations where organisations were downsizing or unfortunately closing. So um, was very busy for, for, for a number of years, moved back then to Letterkenny in 2006 and set up Nichols Gallagher um, uh, careers advisory services um, with um, my colleague Joe Gallagher. Um, Joe was coming from a teaching background and I was coming I suppose more from the business end of things so it was a good combination. So we continue to offer career guidance to students and helping people make career change and development choices as well. But outside of that work I'm also involved um, in recruitment and selection and I work for a consultancy in Belfast as well where we would do uh, a lot of senior level recruitment, um, training and development, delivering training programs. So that's where I'm at now, Kieran. So so busy, and as you say, two days, never the same. Uh, how, how impacting has the pandemic been on the work that you're doing now for, say, recruitment? We've we talked about recruitment for a, for a, for mm, a while. Mm. Yeah, that's a very good question. Uh, well, you know, before the pandemic, um, the recruitment side of things was fairly steady. Uh, and um, then obviously things came to a halt. Um, there was a few projects that were actually put on hold then because obviously because of the social distancing, etc., it was very difficult to go into organisations to set up, you know, recruitment processes. Um, but then after the first lockdown, funnily enough, I was involved in, 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 in recruitment and one job in particular um, where we were recruit I was recruiting in the hospitality um, side of things for a hotel manager and uh, got a brilliant person into the into the job and unfortunately just I think it was literally the day this person was to start in the new job with all his great ideas and development plans 
the second lockdown hit. So um, that had a big impact, you know, of course. So things again just went went on hold. Funnily enough, there was a lot of recruitment happening maybe with the HSE around the second lockdown um, and the um, civil service. Um, so, but in this instance, people were having to do Zoom interviews which was a whole new way of working for them. And funnily enough, I was helping them prepare for interviews uh, through Zoom, using Zoom as well. So um, a big, big challenge for people to suddenly have to do interviews, I suppose, looking into a laptop um, as opposed to sitting face to face. It's a big, big difference, you know. How have you found that process? Um, I have found that... Actually, once people kind of accept that this is this is just a different way of interviewing, but at the end of the day, I'm still trying to build a relationship with the people at the other side. Um, I think it, um, you know, they actually can adapt. People have adapted incredibly well, you know, and, and the feedback I've had is, you know, where people were really nervous about doing the Zoom interview. The feedback I've had from these people afterwards is that, you know what, it wasn't as bad. Once I got started, I forgot it was Zoom. Because I was, it became more like a conversation, and it worked actually quite well. Do, do you see Zoom being part of our long-term future when it comes to Alexa recruitment? I think so. I think companies have learned a huge amount during the pandemic. I personally have learned a huge amount. I I would have met people face to face. That was my approach, and particularly with career change and and stu- dealing with students, you'd be meeting these people on a number of occasions, um, and that was all face to face. I had to go. Um, on Zoom in order to continue with, 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 with the service and it's actually worked out much better funnily enough because I can offer people a better support or follow up service because with, with Zoom meetings we can have those meetings as many times as we want um, we don't, I don't have to rent out premises to meet people and it's much more flexible I can see them in the evenings I can see them in the mornings and um Students are great, you know, the, the younger generation, they're, they're much more comfortable with Zoom and online stuff, whereas the older generation find it more of a challenge. Just in relation to the students, we're in the middle of the Leaving Cert, it got underway last week. Mm. Um, it's a big event for mm-hmm. the students, it's mm-hmm. a big event for their parents and their guardians. What advice, Elaine, would you have at the stage for both the students and their parents and guardians? Mm-hmm. Okay, very good question. It's been incredibly tough for students. And I'm dealing with a lot of leave and search students who, I suppose, the whole uncertainty as to whether are we going to set exams? Are we going to have the option? Is it going to be predicted grades? That was a big deal for a lot of students. What I always say to students is forget about points. I think there's far too much focus on getting points, getting points, getting the best, getting the highest points. Go for the career and course that you're going to enjoy, that you're going to excel at, that's going to draw on your natural skills. That is the most important thing. And what I always say to students too is that there's always backdoor routes. It's not the end of the world if you get 520 points and your course is 530 points. You know, that shouldn't uh, destroy a person's confidence or career aims or objectives. So, So what I say is, you know, Think more. What is it that I want to do? What what is what's the job area that I think would really suit me? How am I going to get there? And have a plan A, and have a plan B, and have a plan C. Can you give me an example of uh, a course that has a backdoor route that may not have had that same avenue open to students in the past? Mm. Absolutely. Well, I mean, if you look at the medical services, for example, and there has been a huge, I suppose, um, surge in interest in. 
um, medical careers, uh, health and medical careers. Um, take, for example, something like physiotherapy or maybe occupational therapy. Um, back in the day, I suppose you had to get the points. You know, there was n- there wasn't really another option if you didn't get the points to get in, and if you didn't have the right subjects that were required for those courses, you wouldn't get in. Whereas now, if a student is really interested in those areas, there are other options. So, for example, there's the Northwest Regional College in Derry. They do excellent courses, um, which are um, which will allow you to reapply. Maybe to the likes of the University of Ulster, a lot of the UK universities. Um, you also a lot of those courses involve work experience, so you get a chance to work in these areas and really to be sure that they're right for you because you never really know until you're in these vocational careers whether they're right or wrong for you. Um, the other thing is the LYAT here in, in Letterkenny has, um, has a level six actually for occupational therapy, dietetics and, um, physiotherapy. So, um, you still need to do very well in the leaving search. You know, you still have to have high points. But again, it's an opportunity. I think you do two years here in the LYT and then two years in Coventry University. But it's another option for people. And often I think too, a lot of you know young people are maybe not ready for university, you know, straight away. So a year or two doing even a PLC or an access course or, you know, some kind of a bridging course is often a good idea. Would you be an advocate uh, to see more of that, uh, maybe a bridging year or two before they make a, the next decision? I think so. It depends on what you're going what you're going for, you know. And I think, particularly working in the medical side of things, you do need to be a wee bit more mature. But you definitely need to know. And I know from experience myself, from my own the start off, um, you know, when I started myself after school in, in nursing. It's a huge shock to the system. You know, you're suddenly in a medical environment and you're dealing with real life patients. And when you're 17 and 18, you haven't got that life experience. It's not easy. Elaine, do you think more can be done at schools level to help students maybe take the right career path that's best suited to them? Mm, I do. But I do think it's a huge challenge for career guidance. I don't think there's maybe enough career guidance teachers out there. Is that an avenue that the department and the government should be looking at? I think so. I think there should be more resources into that. I think I, I, I really feel for teachers who might have, you know, they've hundreds of students that they have to deal with. Now, if a student comes to you and knows what they want to do, that's quite straightforward. That's great. You know, the, the career guidance teacher or, or advisor is there to to give them the information they need. Here's where you need to go. Here's the points. Straightforward. But if a student comes who doesn't really have a clue, like I'm lucky, I, I use psychometrics, which gives me a great insight into what a person is like very quickly. Uh, but the, the schools don't have those resources or the, the financial, I suppose, um, uh, support to put into these types of, of, of resources to help students really identify what would suit them. How different are things now compared to when you were leaving secondary school yourself? <laughs> in what regard? In everything? <laughs> uh, options that are available yeah, for, for, okay, for, for, yeah. for young people? Ah, hugely different, Kieran. I mean, when, when I left school, it was either nursing, teaching, uh, maybe some of the medical areas. And that was about it. There wasn't really many other options, you know, whereas now, I mean, oh, my God, there's thousands of courses, thousands of different areas. The world of work has changed hugely. The job for life has gone. Uh, so, you know, going into organizations and being there for 30, 40 years is not an option anymore. Students need to be more young people need to be more, I suppose, um, flexible. They need to always be keeping ahead of the, the, the trends. 
keeping up with technology. I mean, the whole area of technology in itself. Sure, it wasn't really in existence when I when I left school, whereas now it's a huge area in terms of data analytics, computer science, um, information technology in general. It's just advanced at such a rapid rate um, that there's so many other options there. Do you feel that there's been maybe too much of an emphasis on the academic side of our education system at times? I do. I think back, certainly in my time, there was, you know, um, but I think things are changing slowly but surely. And I do think like if the Leap and Cert applied, which is, is, is a good option for students maybe who aren't really into you know, the theoretical type subjects or the what we would consider, you know, subjects that um that I suppose are less practical in, in, in content. Um everybody's different, you know. Some students just they'll pick up a book on anything. You know, they just have that interest in learning. Whereas other students they're equally as bright. It's not really to you know, it's not to do with intelligence or levels of IQ. It's more to do with how you think about things. And some students just need to they need to be interested in the topic before they'll pick up the book. They need to be really invested in it and they need to see maybe the point of it. What am I going to get out of this? You know, and those are more practical thinkers. So everybody's different. And I think it's really important to, to tune into that. Uh, what is as the, as the one uh, biggest change you've seen in a person that they've come to you for advice, say they're looking to maybe change career mm. or maybe go up the ladder? Or mm. is, there, is there one uh, or have you a number of examples that you can give me that change that one person came in they were doing a certain job and they decided they wanted to go do something else and did it work out or did it not work out or were you surprised or not surprised Aye, um, I'll tell you what really surprised me sometimes people who come who are considering a career change and when I look at the profile their profiles uh, in terms of their personalities in terms of their motivations and values and then I look at the job they're in and have been in there's a complete disconnect. So I can understand why they're there. But by the same token, I can understand why they ended up where they were, you know. And a lot of people just fall into jobs. A lot of people just, you know, they just turn up or they get they get a lucky start or they hear of somebody, you know, they hear through the, through the grapevine or the network that there's a job going somewhere and they go for it and they end up just staying there, you know. So um, surprises, yes. I think in terms of people making the move, it's really important to be that we put in the work in terms of really identifying what they're suited to so that when they do make the move, they're 100% sure that, yes, I'm going in the right direction and I know why I'm going in that, that direction. Um, I had, I've had several very interesting cases over the years of people who were in the wrong job for a long period of time and that can be very damaging um, on a lot of levels. Um, I had one case, for example, it was a number of years ago where I had a person who'd been working in sales for many years and had actually been referred to us um, uh, by his GP. Um, this person had actually physically collapsed at work and was they queried heart problems and he went through every test in the hospital, but there was no there was no issues there. And they discovered it was stress related. It was kind of like a breakdown, but a physical breakdown as well as a mental breakdown. And one of the areas they identified, you know, his GP identified was that he had never felt 100% happy in his work, that he always felt that he was putting on an act every day he went in to the work environment. So he was pretending to be a person that he, that he, that he wasn't. And that's, that takes its toll over a long period of time, you know. But what happened to him was he ended up in a sales position and had done incredibly well because he was very good at playing the part. Really good. And every time he went to leave, they would offer him more money or promotion and he felt he couldn't leave. And it got to the stage where he just 
didn't know who he was anymore. And I suppose the stress of that kind of took over. So from working with him, actually, funnily enough, we identified a huge interest in psychology. And he really wanted to be doing work that was benefiting people. Again, that was his fundamental motivation. But, but he'd ended up in, in a career where it was all about making money just and, and competing with other people. Um, and uh, he actually became, moved into the whole area of coaching and life coaching and um, absolutely loved it once he made the move. Did that surprise you? Uh, not when I saw his profile, no, but if I'd met him without seeing his profile maybe and I was just talking to him and he was telling me about his, his career and how well he'd done, it would totally surprise me if he turned around, oh, and now I want to leave all that behind me and become a life coach. I'd be thinking, oh, I don't mm. know. But once I saw his profile, I thought, yeah, you're absolutely right. That's where you need to be. So the next question, how important is it to be as happy as you can be in your work? Oh, hugely important, Kieran. And I think this pandemic has really taught us that where people have actually come off the treadmill. I've had to come off the treadmill. And there we'll take a break. Do you need to upskill your tech or engineering staff? Donegal ETB's further education and training service can support you to do so with Prince 2, Python, Azure, Java, C Sharp and MS Expert training. Contact Enterprise Engagement at donegaletb.ie or call 074-91-20500. You're welcome back to Business Matters. Before the break, Elaine Nichols said the pandemic has changed the mindset of both employers and employees people are starting to think about the important things in life. Uh, time. You know, wh- what am I doing? What am I spending my time on? Um, is my job impacting my family life? Um, is it impacting my mental health? A lot of people are asking these questions now because they've had a chance to kind of take a step back and question, what have I been doing for the last number of years? And does that necessitate a change in their direction? Do they want to go and do something else or do they want to roll back and do less of what they're doing? It depends. A combination of both of those areas, Kieran. Um, Absolutely, a lot of people will say, you know, I do like what I'm doing, but I was just doing too much of it. Or I wasn't getting getting the work-life balance right. Um, So they have to re... That's what they need to rethink. Or in some instances, it's just a case of, you need to get out of what you've been doing. It's time to look at another direction. So let's look at what you could maybe move into either by retraining or by transferring your skills into an area that's going to suit you better. The area of redundancy is obviously an extremely difficult uh, sector. Mm-hmm. and it's, 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 it's something that you've had a lot of experience in. Mm-hmm. How difficult is that um, for yourself to deal with? Mm. Very good question. Um the whole area of career guidance and counselling, funnily enough, when I went into it first, I was very naive. I didn't know what it was about. I thought, you know, I'll give it a go and see what it's like. And I remember my boss saying to me in my first weeks in the job that you'll find you'll come across people who have a lot of other issues, that the the job becoming a problem becomes a problem after other things maybe break down, like relationships or, you know, a range of things, maybe even health issues. Um, so often when I would be doing one-to-ones with people, a lot of the emotion comes out and people will get quite upset. And, and, and I had to learn to kind of, to to certainly empathize with people without a doubt, but but not to bring it home with me or not to uh, let that overshadow was the that work difficult? I was doing with them. Sorry? Was it difficult to sort of cut off? Like it was. It was. And afterwards you'd be thinking, God, I hope now I was supportive enough and I hope I gave the right direction there. Um, but... 
you have to have faith in your own capabilities and faith in the 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 tools that you're using as well. And I certainly have a hundred percent faith in those now from my experience. Um, and everybody's different. Everybody's at different stages in their lives. And sometimes, like for example, on the personality profile I use, there, there's a there's an anxiety scale. And often, what I've found, particularly recently, a lot of students are quite high on that level. So it helps. I'll open up that conversation with them in terms of. You know what? What does that mean for them? And often they will tell me that you know they're worrying about things. You know, and maybe not sleeping great. And that's a great opportunity for me to talk about. Well, what can they do to deal with that? And maybe refer them, maybe to to talk to maybe their GP or to get some kind of counselling or support in that area. Is that a new trend that you've noticed? I've certainly noticed that that I think with young people, it does seem to be higher. Um, in the last, I would say, one to two years, you know. Um, Any reason for that? I'm not sure. I'm not sure what it is. I think I think maybe a lot of young people think that there's very high expectations of them. And when I talk to their parents, their parents just want them to be happy. And and, and a lot of young people put, it, put themselves under that pressure. Um, I think girls in particular, there's a lot of competitiveness there. And I hear them using that word a lot more talking about oh I want to do as good as my friends and I want to be up there you know um, which can be a very good thing but it can be quite damaging as well if it's causing you stress and pressure What's the one lesson that you've learned uh, working in businesses and being a business yourself over the last 30 odd years? Oh God, what have I learned? That's a very good question Um What have I learned? I've learned a huge amount I've I've I've, I've worked in in, in private um, companies, public organisations. Um, I've worked with individuals, as I say, at every end of their career, people from a recruitment perspective, from, you know, interviewing and, and assessment centres through to delivering training, through doing one-to-one career development coaching inside of organisations and externally as well. Um, I think what I've learned is that Human nature is actually very much the same. I think everybody is striving for a sense of purpose and a sense of contentment. And um, whilst everybody has different values and motivations, I think those are the underlying motivations that are common to all. I also think that um, we should never judge people from, from what we first see. And I think because the nature of the conversations I have with people are quite in-depth, um, you, you, you can get a real sense of where a person's coming from. And I think everybody has insecurities and everybody has that imposter syndrome sometimes. I've dealt with very senior people in companies, CEOs, directors, who will say to me, you know, I'm often thinking in the back of my mind, I hope I don't get caught out or somebody's going to challenge me and say, how the hell did you get here? How did you end up in this position? And that's that that actually I've heard that a number of times. And when you look at that person objectively, you'd think they're the most confident, self-assured person when the reality is very different. What makes for a successful business or a successful business leader? Oh, right. OK, well, I think the two are very much linked. Um Leadership is a very interesting area. And, uh, you know, I've worked with organizations who are very much focused on supporting their leaders and, and, and creating opportunities for staff to move into those leadership positions as well. Um, I think leadership, it's very different to management, and that's one, one thing that I've learned. 
Is there, is, sorry to cut across you, mm. is there a trend starting to happen where leadership is being replaced uh, as a term, or management is being replaced by the leadership term mm. in the last while? I think it has, and, and often mixed up and confused in a lot of ways, you know. I think on a management perspective, you've got, you know, people who are supervisors and team leaders who are, who, who are managing people on a day-to-day basis and need to monitor performance and need to get the best out of people. Whereas leadership is, is, is more setting a, setting a vision. And, and I know that, you know, that can sound a bit of a cliche. We hear a lot about, you know, what are, what are company visions? Are they, are they important? Mission statements, all of that. But they're hugely important. And I've learned that on a practical level in terms of good leaderships, good leaders, um, are there to inspire. You know, they're there to, set the direction. They're there to make those decisions about what direction organizations are going in and make decisions about what kind of support we can give to our managers and our date our, our, our employees in general. Um so to me leadership is more about strategy and and, and 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 communicating that and helping people at every level in the organization to know where we're going, what direction are we going in. It suits some people and not others. Uh, whereas management for me is more the day-to-day getting things done, getting results. What would you say to someone who's been in a career for 20 years and the, the thought long and hard and the pandemic has given them the, the sort of wherewithal to say, look, I'm going to go and do something else? Mm. What would you say to them? Well, I'd say, first of all, do your homework. Uh, don't make any rash decisions. Um, think carefully. Uh, do, you know, think, think carefully about where it is you want to be. And how you're going to get there, you know, map out your 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 route. Um, think about the time that's going to be involved. Think about the financial implications. Um, will I have to go back into full time education? The great thing, I suppose, about now and how things are done from an educational perspective is that there's a lot of part time courses and online courses. So, I would say, you know, don't make any rash decisions. Don't move out of the position you're in too quickly. Think about your, 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 you know, how you're going to maybe build on, on, on the skills you need to move into the new area and do that maybe on a part-time basis whilst you're still working um, and build up on your competencies, the competencies that are required for that job. So look at job descriptions, look at job ads in the area you want to get into and look at what are they looking for here and can I use my time now to build on those competencies to prepare myself for when I do make the move? Just in relation to job descriptions, and mm. it's a thing I've noticed myself, and it's a thing that people have noted to me on many occasions. Job descriptions, by the time they get to the, the bottom of the job description, sometimes they're nearly exhausted. Mm. Yeah. At the, at the time it's taken to, to sort of take in all the roles, to tick all the boxes. Have you a view uh, in, in, in relation to the way job descriptions should be pitched or how they should be sort of formatted? Yeah, well, I think, first of all, they should be shorter. I think a lot of them, you think, oh, my God, this is going on forever. I think a lot of things are a given. You know, the job descriptions can include things like, you know, um, for people to be, you know, of, of good character and, you know, all of that. Um, I think they should be more specific in terms of what they're looking for. A lot of job descriptions, I think, too, are, are, are designed to put people off nearly to, you know, because it is a big job trying to shortlist from a huge amount of applicants. So I think it's, you know, what I would say, the rule of thumb is look at what your essential criteria is and look at the desirable criteria. So if you meet 
the essential criteria and that's generally down to things like qualifications years experience but you know they might be looking for 10 years experience you might have eight don't let that put you off you know be kind of you know i suppose sensible in approach in terms of looking at the job description but if you may not have all the desi- desirable criteria but that's okay if you feel you meet 70 percent overall of both des- desirable criteria and essential criteria i would say send in the application go for it why not you know you give advice to a lot of people Lynn, if you had to give your 18 year old self some advice now <laughs> what, what would that be oh what would that be i would say um don't don't be rushing into the next thing you know take time to think things through before you rush into courses or jobs or or or, or whatever I would, you know, the the big thing I would say is to not worry so much or, or, or to be too concerned about the future. Things will work out, you know, things will work out for you um, if you have faith in yourself. And I think that's a big one, you know. I think back in, back in, I suppose when I left school, you know, I would say the level, of my, my level of confidence wasn't great. Um, you know, I think it's really important that we kind of are more self-aware as well. I wouldn't have known if somebody said to me at 18, what are you good at? I wouldn't have been able to answer them. You know, what are your preferences? I wouldn't have had a clue. So I think spend, I would spend more time kind of finding out who I was and what, what, what motivated me before I made any, you know, rash decisions with regard to future career, but certainly worry less, you know, um, there's lots of brilliant opportunities out there, particularly now, um, and you will get there. It might take you an extra couple of years. Big deal. You're a bit older and a bit wiser. So that's my advice to students as well at that age. You know, don't over worry about it. Things will work out. Take your time and don't rush into things. And finally, Elaine, what does the future hold for yourself and your business? Oh, well, now that's an interesting question. To be honest with you, Kieran, I've really enjoyed, um, certainly, um, you know, having been self-employed and, and, and working for a range of organisations has been, you know, just really, really interesting and very. the work I do is really, really satisfying. So really to continue to do more of the same, Kieran, um, and... Uh, just keep doing what I'm doing and to do it to the best of my ability um, and to, you know, maybe, maybe like a lot of, a lot of my work is all, it's, it's referral and uh, that's been really good. Um, but now I suppose my own children are getting older and I will have more time in my hands. So maybe I might do a wee bit more getting out there doing this kind of thing and talking more about the work I'm doing. Elaine Nichols. Human Resource and Career Development Consultant. Thanks for taking the time to talk to us on Business Matters. You're very welcome, Kieran. It's been a pleasure. Well, that's our lot for this edition of Business Matters. Thanks to my guest, Elian Nicholas. Thanks to Kenneth Wilson on Sound. And thanks to you for listening. If you'd like to get in touch with the programme, drop an email to businessmatters at highlandradio.com. Business Matters, in association with Donegal ETBs for their education and training service, developing the Donegal workforce in one of the most critical and fundamental digital skills of our time through its spreadsheet programs.